there's just like a mass of blooded feathers and beaks poking out now and they're all cawing and cawing and saying my name. Hello everyone, welcome to Podquisition. I'm your normal host, Jim Sterling. I don't know why I said normal host as if someone else hosted last week. <laughs> I, I am your, your normal host and I will be for until the end of time. I'm Jim. I'm joined as always by Laura. Hello. Hello. I will say about your introduction this week, when you introduce yourself as normal host Jim Sterling, that sounds like the kind of thing that like an alien that has taken <laughs> over a human body would say. It's like, I am average everyday human Jim Sterling, and I am an average human that does things like read the newspaper and sport. So basically how, how Tom Cruise might introduce himself <laughs> to someone. <laughs> That other voice you can hear is Gavin. Hello, Gavin. How are you? Uh, I'm all right, Jim. You know why the crows are calling your name? Why is that? I should have probably told you this, this guy's when I got my foot stepped on, but this uh, condition is contagious. <gasps> oh, yeah. Sorry. And it transmits over... Uh, audio. Audio frequencies on the I th- internet. I thought it was just like a... Like a blister on my foot. If you get like an itchy bit on your foot, maybe go and get it checked out. Is 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 this why my eyes have started to go a shade of green? Is this connected, or do Um, I have something other entirely? I don't know. Green eyes might be Shriven's disease. It could be all the pussy you're drinking, Laura. What? (laughs) Like you do drink an awful lot of radioactive shit, horrible drinks. So I wouldn't be surprised if both of you have green eyes, (laughs) glowing green eyes that like. When when you hold a thing up to it, it goes. Oh, dude, I've drunk so much. I drank so much Monster Energy over the years. I can see through human skin now. Like I can just see yeah. all the meat underneath. Jim drank so much Monster Energy that when he plays Fallout, he's he's immune to the radiation poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that next week I'm going to be able to see through space and time because I have finally managed to acquire myself a. Uh, a concoction I will be drinking next week that is purple and looks like it has galaxies swirling in it, and I'm afraid that Ooh. I might just transcend space and time after I yeah. consume or, it. So, or hooray a for goo. beverages! <laughs> <laughs> well, we're looking forward to uh, hearing Laura drink the the liquid embodiment mm. of dividing by zero next week. <laughs> and by the by our by our by our uh, year anniversary episode, she'd be like, "What are you selling, smooth skin?" <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, let me try it. I can't do the voice. <laughs> what have we got lined up for today? I want to talk about the most important news story of the day. Right what here. is the most important news story of the day, Jim? What is it? Right here, right now. Friday the 13th game is on Kickstarter. That looks like a thing that I want in my life. I want it in my life. Um, I've backed it on Kickstarter, disclosure, disclosure, etc, etc. How could I not? I mean, anyone who's known me for a a long enough amount of time knows that I love my horror films, and when it comes to the slasher movie icons, Mm. Jason's my boy. Like, Voorhees, he's up up there. Like, you can stick your Freddy up your ass. Michael Myers, (laughs) Michael pliers uh that wasn't very good Uh, michael tryers very hard but he's not very good that was better than like i yeah freddie pooga um but anyway the point is jason voorhees is the bee's knees and there was this game i forget what they called it summer camp or i i know who you killed last wednesday or something like that but it was a um sorry I'm, i'm I've been drinking Monster Energy while we talk, unleaded. Every time I breathe in, there's an intake of wannabe burps. So horror, I apologize, there's horrible gurgling down the microphone. Anyway, um, point is, uh, 
they were doing this game. It was like a 1v5 or 1v6 slasher horror movie uh, pastiche game where one of you plays the serial killer and the others are uh, kids at the camp, camp counsellors. Um, and it wasn't attached to the Friday the 13th licence. But then the guy who owns the Friday the 13th licence apparently was just like, do you want it? And he just <laughs> gave it to the developers. Um, oh, that is that is that is how I like in a perfect world this is how the game development community would be. It's like, oh, that dusty old license in the bottom of my cum sock drawer that I never use. Why not have it? Exactly, exactly. If the world worked like that, I'd already have Primal Rage 3 and Rise of the Robots 3 out already, and they'd be amazing. Uh, but yeah, he just said you want it. They're working with Tom Savini, uh, the famous horror makeup guy. Uh, they're working with Kane Hodder, the most famous of the Jason actors who's doing mocap and stuff for it. Um, I'm nervous about it because cause the idea of a game based on any old slasher movie is ripe to fail tremendously, mm. but I want to see it. Like, I always say, like, I back the games that represent what I want to see in the industry. And I feel that as someone mm. who's so outspoken about what he wants to see in the industry, it's... I should be backing these things. Yeah, give, give it a chance to be a good video yeah. game. Like, don't discount it already. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I will say, like, you have a good list of pros and cons there for it. I only have one real thought that I've had today about this, other than that it looks good and I want it, which is that I got very excited when I saw this today because I was like, it's October 13th. When we're recording, it's October 13th. They've put Friday the 13th Kickstarter out on Friday the 13th. No, they haven't. It's it's a Tuesday. Yep. And I got very dis- I got very disappointed that I was yeah. like, oh, uh, you should have delayed Here's your project and ruined your financial lives for several I've, months I've got just to line this up. I've got something for you, Laura. Let me, You've got something for me. Let you. me hit you with a Shyamalan-type twist, right? The Kickstarter ends on a Friday the 13th. <gasps> oh, okay. Uh-huh. This has been saved. Jim, you have brought me back in board. I was like, I want this, but I'm not going to give it my money. Screw that now. Giving it some money because you have just saved this Kickstarter was, yeah. unilaterally, single-handed by letting me know that fact. Oh, yeah. Thank it's, you. it's because of me entirely that this game's going to make it and be a success. I will take full credit for its success unless it comes out and it's shit, in which case it was Peter Molyneux's fault. So that's that. Really, I, I I am excited. I'm a big like, like I'm, I'm not even going to tell you how much it cost. The thing, the Friday the Thirteenth Jason Voorhees figure that I've pre-ordered from Sideshow Collectibles. <laughs> um, but I am a big Jason guy. I I can I can tell you how much it cost. Too much. Yes, yes. That that's um, that's the right price. <laughs> There, there is there is other horror game Kickstartery news this week, which yes. is also really positive. Which um, I think all of us saw the Allison Road Kickstarter a while back. That was that game that looked a lot like PT and looked like it was going to be really good. Mm-hmm. They cancelled their Kickstarter this week. Yes, they did. And I, at first, I heard that I was like, "Oh, that's really sad. I'm so upset." Then I heard the reason. Team Seventeen, who are probably best known for having made Ollie Ollie. And putting out a load of Worms games. And I believe they're publishing the physical version of Ukulele. They went to the people doing Allison Road and they were like, Hey, you know you're on Kickstarter. Do you want to just come over here and we'll publish your game and we'll give you the money to make it and we'll do you a publishing deal? And the Allison Road creators were like, Yes, yes, we will do that. 
thank you very much. I'm, so yeah, I'm yeah, pleased. and I'm also pleased they closed the Kickstarter because, I mean, it's mm. like, like when you look at the mighty num not mighty number nine, the Red Ash, where they got the publisher and everything and still had the Kickstarter up just on the off chance yeah. they still make the money. It's like no, no, no. Like these guys got a publisher and decided to close the Kickstarter. They had their moment of we don't desperately need this money anymore. Therefore, we won't take it from you. We won't require you to fund us up front. And that's a really good consumer-facing move. No, no, that is that. so consumer-friendly. It, it makes me trust the developers more because mm. I mean, okay. I mean, let's be fair. Um, there was some suggestion the Kickstarter was like not. Like, it wasn't going to make its goal. So possibly there was no point keeping it up because they figured this is, this wasn't going to make it anyway. But the idea that they didn't like they did just, they didn't do a red ash and decide to try mm. for more money anyway tells me that they've got the money they need to make the game and they're leaving it there. They're not going to try and expand yeah. the, sp the scope and risk feature creep. It speaks to me of a financially responsible move, not just yeah. a consumer-facing one. Well, like I'm I am more confident in this game's ability to come together in a polished and like constrained scope that is like the scope that the game should have when there is a publisher involved because there is someone holding the money that is not them that is telling them when it is okay and when it is not okay to increase the scope of their project <laughs> and that is so beneficial to video game projects like i know that kickstarter is this wonderful thing that allows these niche projects to come into existence but sometimes having a publisher on board is a really good thing for keeping games <coughs> on track. It can help. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of trying to push the uh, publishers out of the industry as much as possible. But oh, Yeah, of course. But, but at the same like, time, replace them with accountants. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, get an accountant at the very least. Uh, and if publishers at the, main, at the moment have to serve as the accountants, so be it. But, I mean, I would rather have a, a yeah. game with a publisher on board than a game that's independent but they have blown their money because they don't know how to handle it. I'll say that. That first. is exactly the yeah. one, yeah. So hooray, Alison Road, that's actually probably gonna happen and have some oversight to make sure it comes out. Yeah, more good horror news as well today that on Until Dawn is probably gonna get a sequel. That's yeah, true. it sold really well. Yeah. Until Dawn, that's a good video game that I believe them, we've apparently. we've, we've yeah. all completed it now. Yeah, yeah they yes, did not expect it I to really... do that well. Really, really liked it a lot more than I thought I would. It was a very, yeah. very, very yeah. cool game. I mean, I'm yeah. excited um, about it. But I good still, I'm like, done. I cannot believe Laura managed to save everyone on her first run. Uh, How, a lot like, of... Laura, were you, uh, were you using a fucking Ouija board when no, you were playing a, that a game? No, a lot of it was, <laughs> a lot of it was blind luck. And mm. on my first playthrough, and you'll understand why this is now you've completed it. There mm. were several times that I thought I'd got people killed. And there yeah. were several times that I thought I'd got people killed. And it's like, oh, you survived that. Okay. And mm. I was convinced, like, right up until the last scene, I was like, someone's going to die. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to die. And I somehow got everyone out alive. Um, I've had a lot more fun going through the second time deliberately killing everyone. Now I understand what's happening. <laughs> I lost five fucking people on my first run. I own, Well, actually, no, I only saved two. Yeah, I, I only saved two, so I lost six. Like, I, managed, I, I only managed like one everyone? better. I managed to get three out. Uh, uh, nice. that wasn't, I need to go back and try. I don't even know if mm. I want to go for a perfect or for a total yeah. genocide. If I, I to to steal Undertale's parlance. If I would recommend though, if you're playing it, wait for a patch because uh, I think I got fucked by a glitch. <laughs> 
which is when you're when you're holding the pad still, it thinks you're after moving. I don't know if it's something to do with the sensitivity, but I had literally put it down. I had a stool in front of me while playing that game so I could put the pad did, down yeah. when it told me to. It um it screwed me on like I would have had four survivors, but it screwed me at the very end on one of them with that. I took yes, me too. In the very last the very last scene. <laughs> I know exactly which and I without spoilers, I know exactly which scene and which person died in which situation. Yeah. That, and it was yeah. really annoying. Because yeah. that person had, I had done a lot of successful uh, maneuvering with that person previously, and it was it pissed me off to get them killed by a glitch. No, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, the the glitch that happens doesn't seem to be super common, but equally two thirds of the podcast mm. have had well, it, it be an issue. If it's not a glitch, then they need to adjust the yeah. sensitivity because like, I... the vibration of the pad made it like. <laughs> Well, like, I never had any problems with it in my playthrough, but I know others who did. Um, I don't know if it's a hardware or a software issue, but, like, go Google it before you start playing the the, the stay still glitch or whatever they call it. Because if you can sort that before you start playing, that will definitely benefit you. But um, You know, I was think I just thought of that, actually, for segments where you're supposed to be completely still, they probably shouldn't be engaging the vibration function the way they did. They probably shouldn't. Yeah. But that's probably a reason to keep it in your hands where your hands can compensate for the vibration rather than putting it down on a hard surface where the vibration's going to move the well, controller. No, it's like this lovely soft know. cushioned stool. Like oh. I bought it for my girlfriend when we moved in together. It's like a little... It's like the stool that goes with a um, a makeup table, you know? Oh, and it's like yes. really kind of old and like has lovely ornate decorations and a well, lovely soft cushion. So in, it just should not have glitched out. Yeah, in that case it shouldn't have done. But like that, that aside... Um, I really like that game. I think that it has done a really good job of taking a number of different horror archetype movie tropes and weaving them into one narrative in a way that really makes sense, which is really good. They did a really good job of that. And subverting them at some points as well. Mm. Also, did you guys, was this my imagination or did um, Mike really resemble Ash from uh, Evil Dead physically a little bit? His Very expressions similar. and things, because yeah. I was, and and also with the stupid decisions he kept making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does make some very stupid decisions, but mm. uh, yeah, Until Dawn's a really good video game. I really mm. hope we get another yeah. game from that studio. It's in the short of, list, actually. It's in the short yeah. list for my top games of the year, like the Jim. Yeah, I can't. Awards. I can't think of another like uh, interactive movie style game that I liked as much of it as it. I, yeah. I was trying to think. Did I like? It? Uh, well, I can only really think of David Cage ones, which I didn't really like yeah. that much. Well, like a lot of people have been comparing this to David Cage games, and I don't know if I completely agree. I with think the that's sentiment, unfair. But yeah, yeah. Some people have been saying that, like, Until Dawn is the game that David Cage wishes he was talented enough to make, and I don't entirely agree with that. No, I, but think I think he could make an Until Dawn. He just prefers to kind of do more arsey stuff. Yeah, I think I think the problem with David Cage is. Um, pretentiousness and ambition get in the way of telling a cohesive narrative well, for him I, sometimes. I think you're really underestimating what it is that I uh, really bring <laughs> to my game to shine. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, the Metacritic score for Abbey Rain, but it was really, oh, really good, which proves I that loved... I made a really good game. I loved Abbey Rain. What accent and are I... you doing, Jim? <laughs> That's exactly it's what like David cross Cage between, sounds like. It's yeah. like a cross between Dutch and like Flemish. It, it is exactly <laughs> yeah. what he sounds like. See, I loved both Heavy Rain and Beyond uh, Beyond Two Souls. Both of them, I think, really fell apart toward the end of their narratives. 
because they made really stupid decisions and went away from what was good about them, which was the human drama elicited from these situations. And I think Until Dawn stayed grounded in that, and that really I can never, for me. I can never watch anything from Heavy Rain again without seeing and hearing Jim's fucking kissing parody. <laughs> oh my god. There is, there is one video related to Heavy Rain that I think everyone needs to go see, which is a video where someone accidentally glitched their copy of um, Heavy Rain so that during the final tension-filled... Sean! Yeah, during the, the final tension-filled showdown, you can just, like, anytime you press X, like, regardless of whether the other character is speaking or not, you just shout Sean. It's so, so you're, like, funny. doing this action scene and you're just like, Sean! Sean! And then you're crying and shouting <laughs> he's not, Sean. Even when he's not in the shot, when the yeah. other people are, like, having this fight and you can just hear in the background, and it gets really Sean! distant. It's very quiet. It's just like, Sean! It's, oh, it's it is so great good. just watch just five minutes of him shouting sean at inappropriate moments it's, it's great. so funny it's one of my favorite videos so yeah video games they are good um mm. i finally finished a video game for my second time through that i think's in a similar vein to how i'm feeling about until dawn which is undertale i finally finished my second undertale playthrough and Yay! did a review and stuff i think that undertale is really, really, really damn good. And that shouldn't be a surprise, because I think it's still the highest rated PC game on Metacritic. For all of Metacritic's flaws, that's really impressive for it. Go Undertale, yay. So, Yeah, that's short another version. one that's on my shortlist for games of the year. In fact, yeah. that, that's on it. I'm not even going to spoil it. That mm. I said I'm not even going to. I will spoil it. That's on my Jimquisition yeah. games of the year list. That's getting it an is... award. It is right up there. This is going to be like the hardest year ever to pick a top five. Yeah, that, there are some really bloody interesting games this year. This is, I, I seriously, like, this has been my favorite year ever for games. And that's even before Tomb Raider and Fallout come out. Like, It, it hasn't been my favorite year f for games yet, but it is certainly right what up was there. Your, and it uh, is, it what, is, what's your number one mm, year? I I don't know. Like, it, what mm. I what I mean is it's not standing out as like, definitely without doing any searches to check years oh, right. i'm not like i'm not thinking oh this is definitely the best year um i feel like this is a very good year and if i compare this might end up being my best year for games but i want to see the year play out and double check some like when did so and so come out but yeah undertale is really really good like the more of it i'm playing the more it's breaking my heart and the more the genius of that game is sh is shining through um the ways it takes little tiny things you do into account is really quite superb. Like, I'm trying to think of examples I can use to um, to do this without spoiling. So, the first time I played through that game, I didn't kill anyone. And that was an experience unto itself, and it had its own, you know, benefits and drawbacks. And I start playing through again, going the exact opposite route, and I'm just like, yeah, I'll just kill everyone this time. And very early on in the game, certain NPCs that don't yet know that you're mutilating and murdering everyone will just start to feel really unsettled and not be sure why. Like, there's one monster who just sends his kids inside his house, and he's like, I sent my kids inside because something today feels really off and I can't put my finger on it, but something is really unsettling me. And it's just the little ways they like pepper these things in as, to the way you play that it's very gradual changes in narrative until you get these very different endings. Fucking and, great. Uh, you know what Undertale other game does so that good. really well? 
what other game does that's that really out today well? on PS4 and Xbox in America? Wasteland 2. Does it? It does indeed. Ooh, I might have to try playing that. Yeah. Like it it feels Undertale for me feels right now like it it did what Spec Ops the Line was trying to do but much more in a much more nuanced way. Yeah. Where mm. like Spec Ops the Line was trying to t- tell a story about like the horrors of war and like the consequences of actions of um violence and things like that but it kind of fundamentally fell apart because a it was very handed in the way that it tackled the responses to what you'd done but equally because there was at least one point where you had no choice about how to act yeah yeah and it tried and, to guilt it mm. tried to guilt you the player about yeah something it, you had no forced, choice in yeah it forced you into a choice and then made that it one was of the big linchpins the game of, itself didn't yeah. and then blamed you basically yeah. what yes. happened it was and, still, i still really like that game and what it went for yeah. but yeah, there I, were I still think like it's. That. I still think it's really important that Spec Ops: The Line existed when yes, it did. Yes. But like, it does feel like this is the much better realized version of that, where it's like this is how you do a story about, like, amongst other things that it deals with, like you know, having a consequence to your violence or lack of violence and how you choose to go through things, because it never forces those choices on you. And I got to date a skeleton, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Best part of the whole game. Oh my goodness. Um, my favourite bit of the date with the skeleton may be where he lifted his hat and there was a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's like, here is my the secret weapon is spaghetti under my hat. I think Papyrus uh, like, easily became one of my favourite characters in video games. Like, in all of the games. Yeah, like, like I... I did what everyone else seems to have done, which is mentally I voiced him as Skeletor, and I got very excited about having a date with Skeletor. It's hard not to see him as Skeletor, yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, My no, spaghetti! My spaghetti! What's you going on? You bumbling nincompoop! <laughs> oh, God, no. That whole cast, though, is so great. Like, the... Yeah. Um, characters I can talk about without spoiling things. Um... The person who is in charge of the skeletons, both of the skeletons themselves, there is a scientist at one point who's really rather fantastically written. There is a robot that is very good. The robot's incredible. I I like when uh, there is the the thing where the robot does the thing and it's like, oh, that's not the robot I was expecting. Yeah. That thing was rather hilarious and... Oh, it's just scratched that earthbound itch that I have been... Yeah. I have had for a long time. And it's pretty short. You can play through it in, like, eight to ten hours at the longest, probably, per playthrough. So it is good for a quick-ish fix of, I want a JRPG that is earthbound yeah. in my life. Mm-hmm. M- more importantly, I bought some Skeleton Warriors pogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, they're pogs with uh, the 90s uh, toy and cartoon tie-in brand Skeleton Warriors on them. Um, I'm just keeping people updated on that. I know that people <laughs> are very important. They, they find that important. Uh, pog people watch. have been asking every week when we ask for questions, people say, how is Jim's pog, uh, pod addiction going? Yeah, I mean, this is this is Pogwatch 2015. Um, so I'm just, just put, letting people know I bought Series 1 of the World Pog Federation pogs and Skeleton <laughs> Warriors pogs today all in one go. Very good deal. Um, so just to put any fears at rest, that's what I've done. In other news, I'm fucking waiting for my Dragon Quest Heroes Slime Edition to turn up. It was due for... It's been in town. It's been in Jackson, like, just a few miles away since Friday. (laughs) 
It was due here today. I check the uh, the tracking package, the package tracker number, and now it just says rescheduled with no date, no date given. I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's bad enough I've had to buy a copy anyway because Square Enix just won't admit that they've blacklisted me. Like, just come <laughs> out and fucking admit it. I just want an answer at this point. The amount of times you've run out of games for me, the amount of times you've run out of digital codes, right? Just oh, say it. There are times where I've seen you moaning about not getting digital codes for stuff and being like, they sent me a code for that. Of course they did. Yeah, because they, they fucking... I'm not blacklisted. <laughs> it's it's what I call grey listing when they don't want to send you shit, but they they ain't got the fucking spine to just like come out and say it. Yeah, so like, they, they make vague send... promises. Yeah, they'll still send you the press releases, mm-hmm. being like, "Yeah, you'll you'll cover this, right?" Oh, review code. Yeah, it's in the post. Did you not get it? Oh, that's. So weird, but the game's out now, so you might as well just buy it, because you're doing really well on Patreon. (laughs) And I mean, that's the thing. It's like, buying it is no issue to me. Like, buying games now and then, which I, you know, if you look at the disclosures on all my reviews, you see I buy games fairly regularly, um, which is good for my credibility, you know, it's, it, and I can afford it, but... I, I don't have, to, and I have an audience now where I don't have to hit embargo, because if you're reading thegymquisition.com, you don't care whether I got there first, whether I got there on time, you just want to see what I think about a game. So embargoes don't matter. However, it's still nice. It's still nice to hit an embargo and get the reviews up and be part of the main conversation. It's still nice to have a schedule eased up by getting the game yeah. earlier and not having it's, to rush uh, along nice. with other games that have come out at launch Yeah, it's nice to get the game and to know I can't write about it until X date which means that I don't have to stress about like oh I've got it I need to write about it as soon as possible like you lose that yeah, it's just stress nuts. on yourself so and it's that is like nice, yeah. ultimately the Square, if Square Enix have done this now when I very first went independent they outright said we've not frozen you out you're, you're fine you're good you're on board with us. Since then, nothing. Since then, it's like, hey, Life is Strange episode two. Life is Strange episode one is when it started. Because I reviewed that and I wasn't that <laughs> kind to it. I didn't outright hate it, but I, I, was, I was fairly critical. Since then, um, episode two, Life is Strange. No, sorry, we ran out of digital codes. Ooh. Dragon now- Quest Heroes. It's like, I got, they, mm. they, their PR people put me down for a copy. They said, like, Oh no, Jim, it's fine, it's good. Um, give us your address, uh, give us your preferred platform. I gave them all that. Actually, I don't think I had to do it. I think it's just on PS4. But gave them my address. They said, fine, that's good. Um, last, I think it was the Friday before last, an email, late Friday night. Um, yeah, sorry, I might as well tell you now, extremely limited copies, so we can't um, give you one. Mm. And then I just see the hundreds of websites that have reviews up for it, including sites way smaller than mine, including sites I used to write for, but whose reviews, because I know how many people read those reviews, I know that I'm matching in terms of audience reach, if not yeah. beating. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's... And, and I've had, because I've had my suspicions for a while that Square Enix will always be at capacity when it comes to me, um, which I'm fine with if well, I, I just want to be told. Um, and I, also, I don't know if this acts as confirmation for you, but Life is Strange, I didn't get sent a separate code for episodes two onwards. What happened with mine is after episode one, they 
upgraded my copy to a season pass. There you go. Fucking. It was, oh, you've got a review copy of, of episode one. That's fine. All review copies of episode one are just going to turn into season passes. So yeah. if you, if, if no your one code is one that. of, yeah, if your episode one code is one that you got through us, then don't worry, you'll have the other episodes turn up. Absolute bias. And seems like that didn't happen for you. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, it's, I mean, obviously, obviously if it got confirmed, of course I'd make a big deal out of it on Twitter. <laughs> of course I would, because it would be fun. Um, but, you know, it's quite clear that blacklists don't hurt me in any way. Otherwise, you know, I I mean, well, look, look, look how much damage Konami's done to my career. Um, it, it will never hurt me. I can easily buy every game Square Enix makes and review it that way and my audience won't care uh, the only thing that will happen is that it'll be a bit of an inconvenience for me um mm. having to do that like as you say not having the convenience of an embargo which is something having to leave reserved. the house to get a copy having to get, having to get up off my fat ass like, like a commoner yeah like you know I, d- I don't even i don't even get carried on a dais around town which i should um but anyway that's what what gets me is they're not telling me more than anything else i've straight up <laughs> Because I did this with Nintendo when they were being weird with me. Because I will. I'll just straight up... Because I, I like my cards on the table here. Um, Nintendo's case was just still perpetual confusion as to what I am now that I'm not officially a reviewer mm. uh, for a big site. They still don't know how to classify me. Um, they want to send me stuff, but they don't know how. I don't know what goes on at their company, but it's weird in there. Anyway... Um, I asked them and got straight answers. I sent, after the Dragon Quest thing, because if you're, if you're doing a Dynasty Warriors spin-off, who's the reviewer you, you want to get, like, looking at that more than anyone else? It's probably Jim. Probably me. Most probably Jim. Tecmo Koei would agree with you. Um, you know, anyone who's done a Warriors spin-off would agree with you. Um, but it's because you're the only one who likes it, are you? I'm the only one who gives a shit, yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the few. There the are, only there one are who thinks it's others. good. <laughs> there are a few who give a shit, but I'm one of the few who really give a shit. Um, Nintendo knows it, because I know I was their fucking priority. They're like, look, if anyone's going to review a Warriors game and give a shit about it, it will be him. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I sent an email to the PR people. I'm like, look, I just want to know at this point, is this going to be a thing? Do I need to waste my time emailing you guys every time for a review stuff, or can I just take it as read that this is the situation and just buy stuff? Uh, just so I know, n- heard nothing back. Uh, so I'm just like, like this is me calling them out. Like this is me calling Square Enix out. It's like, just fucking don't, don't let me know if I'm wasting my time, so I don't have to waste my time no more. Uh, and then, then, you know, I was about to say we'll say no more about it. Of course, I'll say more about it. Um, I, I wear my blacklist like a badge of honor. But just fucking tell me. Um, but anyway, it was. That's a thing. And before, because I know some people gloat about it, some certain interested parties gloat at the idea of me being blacklisted by companies. So I will point Mm -hmm. out once again that the last time that I mentioned that Square Enix might be uh, blacklisting me and people made fun of it, and one person said, ha ha Jim, how's that independence working out for you now? Um, Just to shut those people up preemptively, let me just click on my Patreon page. Um, Still working. No, you're doing the thing. You're you're boasting about your Patreon income. That's the thing that you're not supposed to do, Jim. (laughs) You'll know you're making a lot. We know. know, We get the point. (laughs) This isn't a judgment call at all, but this is why I don't use Patreon. I'd be really uncomfortable with the public seeing my net income. As 
much as and, I joke. And, to... and due to seeing the, the gross income, actually, overestimating my net income. Yeah. yeah. Now, see, this was, this was really interesting because, like, this is a Patreon discussion, but this isn't talking about, like, uh, yeah. total income or anything. Can I just stop for um, a second, though? I just oh, need to stop okay, for one okay. second. We will get... This is one of those instances where I want to nip something in the bud before I leave people okay, thinking okay. I'm an arsehole. Um, I do want to point out <laughs> the Patreon boasting is a joke and the most of it yes, comes as yes, sheer yeah. self-consciousness about the money being there because I do get <laughs> self-conscious and anxious about it. So I... Because enough people give me shit about it and get gauche about it, I do joke about it just for a yeah. laugh and to re- like release some of that tension I had about it. Uh, well, I've, I've, I'm I've not said, boasting. I, I'm. I just yeah. want to point that out. I've said as much in emails to people to our um, podcast inbox. Just like it's not from a place of wanting to show off. It is from a place of like self self consciousness and just like, mm. oh god, what is this as a uh, as an income? Ugh. Yeah. But also, like, and, that, and I hate to interrupt yeah. you again, Laura. I really. Oh do. no, that's all right. But Pogwatch 2015. Um, the Pogs 1994 World Pog Federation set 1 to 70 gold numbered back, and the Skeleton Warriors Pogs have just shipped as of one minute ago. <gasps> da, um, da, da. Back to Laura in the studio. Back to me in the studio, right. So, yeah, there was an interesting thing that happened for about half an hour um, during the last week that turns out was not a thing that was sticking, but it was like slowly happening to everyone across Twitter, so we were discussing it. Was that temporarily. Um, the income earned by someone on Patreon vanished. And Twitter uh, Patreon pages were only showing the number of people who supported a creator, mm-hmm. not the total income. And I thought that was really interesting because me and Jim had a bit of a back and forth about this at the time when we weren't sure if this was a thing or not. But it's interesting because on the one side, it's really, it's really good to have that. Like, if you've got a decently sized number there, it's really beneficial because it, you know, instills some faith in you as a content creator. If you've got a low number there, it says you're a creator that's um, still needing to bring more income in, and it brings in sort of larger early donors. There are benefits to having those numbers available, um, and obviously, like the the pros to hiding that number are primarily that as a creator, it means that people aren't estimating your 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 maximum gross income um as being like your uh, take home pay not ca- factoring in like the um the unpaid patrons that don't pay their like what they've pledged and the taxes and the costs from patreon etc and that sort of wildly misestimate your actual income and basically it is oh it's nice to not have people know how much i make or to not have people misestimate how much I make but it was interesting and I'm kind of curious as to what people listening would think if I don't know I'm very curious what supporters of Patreons would feel if that visible X amount of money per month number was no longer a public piece of information like I don't know what supporters would think of that and I'd be very curious to know so let me know. That's the thing I'm interested in. Yeah, there are very big pos- pros and cons to both. Like, as someone mm. with, you know, what is obviously a rather successful Patreon. Again, not boasting, just <laughs> talking in a conversation. Um, <laughs> I, I tend to find that, like, because you'd think that people would see a successful uh, crowdfunding thing and think, I don't need to support that. But psychologically, and I say this as someone who 
backs crowdfunded pro- projects quite mm. a bit. Um, if you see a successful uh, Kickstarter or a successful Patreon, you're actually somewhat, and maybe it's just anecdotal evidence, but you're somewhat more, even more inclined to contribute to it because people like to contribute to success. They they see yeah. a success and they're like, I want a piece of that. It so is it is clearly to like the, to it there. yeah, you you somewhat see it as a thing that is popular and successful and reliable, and it's yeah. like a good like a a trustworthy place to put your money, and that is. A benefit when you have a decent income on Patreon to having that number visible, but it's also, oh, you ate X amount a month, and what you're spending it on. But yeah, we're getting that's too negative. Kind of what, um, <laughs> that would bother me big time. People speculating mm. about that. It's it, it's, it's, it's a strange one. It, but yeah. I can just say, like, since we're talking about it, just to bring things back to a more positive <laughs> area, um, you know, I spe- this month more than ever have I been more like appreciative of the fact that I am crowdfunded and the fact that my audience mm. uh, has just so kindly helped make uh, the Junquisition mm. the independent venture it is as I have been able you know as I'm putting together the, the Halloween stuff for Junquisition the the fact that I was able to commission uh, this amazing mask for the Jimsaw character um, the fact that I, I'm now working with a guy called Justin who um, I introduced the world to him on Twitter, and his work uh, was seen this past week with the new Fuck Konami news segment, um, the new intro that he made. For oh, me. that turned out so well. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I, I've now hired a, 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 basically a guy who's going to redesign the website, he's going to redo the graphics, uh, redo intros, outros, things like this. Um, he's a local guy, works in Mississippi. Um, actually, very first time I met him, uh, he's, I think I talked about him. He was the guy who I walked past him in Target and he said, holy shit, it's Jim Sterling. Oh, yes, you told this story. Yeah. And, th- <laughs> and now here we are like a few months later and his, he said that like his other half pushed him into emailing me because um, he was too nervous to. He emailed me and uh, so showed me a sample of his work and I'm like, dude, this is fucking awesome. Like, yeah, let's talk turkey. Uh, we went to a Longhorn <laughs> Steakhouse. He showed me his portfolio. I'm like, you're hired. So, it is a small world. That yeah. is lovely. And, and this is stuff that's been made um, possible on Patreon, um, via Patreon. Uh, same goes with the Shark Robot store, you know, the storefront. Being able to pay artists to design the fuck Konami shirt that someone said I asset flipped hilariously this past week. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that a, was the best thing kind of, I read this week. <laughs> there's a prevailing attitude. Um, I, th- and I think it's just because you see so much bad news and things, there's this prevailing attitude of the internet that like, oh, people are shit and, oh, I've lost my faith in humanity. But, you know, the, most people are good and generous. And the very fact that like the three of us can make a living based solely off people's choosing mm. to be generous. I mean, people don't have to buy my fucking albums. <laughs> they can pirate them, you know, but they choose to buy them and I make a good living yeah. and to me that that shows me that there are the vast yeah. majority of people out there are morally sound good people <laughs> yeah and, and indeed me, they are but they're, they're not the example of yeah. the not not that well. anyone who pirates is a bad person i'm not saying that i'm just <laughs> saying yeah. it's very nice it, when people don't it is nice to see that like even if the vocal people are not pleasant there is a quiet and huge exactly um, majority of lovely people I, I can I just say what so, someone put it really well a couple of years ago. It was after the bit of a, it's a serious topic, but after mm. the Boston bombing last year, someone pointed out how many people ran straight towards the explosion to help mm. the people who were hurt. 
putting yeah. themselves at risk. And I think it's it's just very clear that the vast majority of people are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? people can be good when, you know, I, I like to think that people mm. trend toward the good. I think, I like the, to think. The, the nasty ones affect us more emotionally, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, but we, so we they got... seem to be more yeah. <laughs> frequent. But we, we did the thing that we're not meant to do, though. We went very off track of video games and got talking about, about all the things that are like, uh, complaints about well, the internet. That we I, I said a lot of good. I we mean, were being might, nice. People yeah. might have found I... that really boring and will now say, go back to talking <laughs> about the arseholes on the internet. Yeah. Well, that's it. I I think that was a really interesting conversation, but equally, I'm very yeah. aware that the well, other like like last week we were like, ah, yeah, let's talk less about the internet and uh, being a negative. No, thing I, you know what, lads? I think it's just because I started talking. Now you want to change the subject? I think oh, exactly. That's what I've got to here. shut Gav up somehow. Yeah. Uh, so, I, just, I will bring. I mean, I've been topic. I've been like silent nearly this whole podcast, and then I open my mouth. It's like, no, let's change the subject now. Yeah, me, me and Jim, we <laughs> can keep you. talking about Patreon. Go talk all we about like. booze. G- Gavin, go. <laughs> Is that what you think of us? Go talk about poo. <laughs> um, actually, someone on... said to me on Twitter this week, "Why are you obsessed with poo on podcast?" I was like, "I'm not obsessed with poo. I've, to- I've maybe talked about poo twice in in response to Laura bringing up poo." You specifically are obsessed with poo, are you? You know, the funny thing is, I've I've currently got a tab open on Itchio for a search string for poop <laughs> because yeah. poop is going to be the new Ichio Tasty video I do this week just oh, because I felt like it that so is right now have you know, I'm as, looking at pictures of poo right now as substances <laughs> go poo is definitely one of my least favourite things mm. I've, I've been hearing a lot about poo recently and I'll try and keep this brief um, my fiance Tilly recently got a new job working in a series of care homes for people with dementia and as such she has had a lot of stories about poo to come home with. Oh. So that has been my last couple of weeks is, oh, how was your day at work? Oh, my day was lovely. I wiped shit off someone's balls. Yay. Woo. Okay. Um, I'll bring us, I'll, I'll steer us off of that and come straight. Speaking, speaking of nipping conversations in the bud. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me bring us video, back to video the, games. Video games. Um, important, breaking, important news, okay? This is the most, probably the most important news story of the week. Uh, my payment has just been received for the Pogs. <laughs> Fine, um, video games. I played a video game this week. Would you like to hear about a video game that I played this week? Yes, yes. Let's let's take a quick break from Pogwatch 2015 and go straight back to Laura <laughs> in the studio for video game news. Yes, with our brief inter- interlude of video game discussion outside of the Pogwatch. Uh, yeah, I played the first episode of Minecraft Story Mode, that Telltale Minecraft thing. Mm. And I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, also, um, yeah, I've, not, I've not played it. I normally get all the Telltale stuff, but uh, I don't know, maybe they thought I just wouldn't be interested in this one. <laughs> it's it's definitely aimed at a younger audience. Like, it feels like it is primarily aimed at like a 12 to 14 uh, age bracket audience. Right. But there is definitely humour in there that is aimed at um, older audiences, and particularly some of the non-comedy drama type stuff definitely has more of an impact if you are a f- like a number of years removed from your teens. So, short version, it it's Minecraft. It looks a lot like Minecraft. It feels a lot like Minecraft. Very well acted. Um, a lot of the mining for resources, in at least in this first episode, is relegated to 
uh, quick time event, mash the button to collect the resources. But it's done in an amusing way where it's like, oh, it's a montage music. We're doing the montage to collect the things. Well paced and humorous. So it didn't bother me too much, but that might be a concern for Minecraft fans. There is a crafting table that comes up a few times. You can craft resources you've collected. It gives you a recipe book for things you should be crafting. But if you know Minecraft and you know how to craft different things with the resources you have, Mm -hmm. it will allow you to do that and to craft things that you're not intended to in that scene. And you will get interesting, amusing bits of dialogue and conversation based on the thing that you made that isn't helpful in this situation, but that you did technically make. Um, Mm. which is good. Generally, I think it's, it's definitely a family friendly Telltale game. Like it's, imagine if you had Tales from the Borderlands, but made for like an audience where like a nine year old could play it and there's nothing in there that's going to be too scary or offensive or, Mm. you know, adult themed. It has some really interesting themes in terms of, um, childhood uncertainty about self-identity and, the way that it tackles like bravado and in like bigging yourself up to pretend that you are more comfortable with situations than you are, which I think is a very relatable theme. A lot of people have gone through in their sort of early teens. Mm. So it's a lot of themes to do with like, you have a main character who is clearly very uncomfortable with themselves and a big, huge dork that is trying very hard to be cool. And you see all the archetypes of like, there is the, person who's being very very aggressive to all the good guys and it's very clearly because they are hugely self uh, self like they have no self confidence you can see the character that's very sort of cool and calm and collected but is like under the surface terrified you can see all of these archetypes that seemed really cool when you were a teenager and you just look at them now it's like i can see the childish barriers you've put up and that's really interesting from like an adult perspective to look at. So, yeah, it was a, it was good. It was well put together, well presented. Um, little bit obvious signposting sometimes with its narrative because it's for kids. So it's like mm-hmm. here's the the breadcrumb trail to the plot twists is a little easy to spot sometimes, but it was pleasant. Uh, interesting ending to the episode. It implies that episode two is going to really quite wildly diverge based on the choice you pick at the end of episode one, to the point that, like, the the next time on on Minecraft story mode is an entirely different video, depending on one of the choices you make. Hmm. So I am intrigued. I'm definitely going to keep playing. It was very enjoyable. I had a good time with it. I, uh, I was playing the Nathan Drake collection on PS4. Ooh. Is this... Um, You've played through all the Enchanteds before, haven't you? I played two and three. I had never played the first one. Ooh. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because I don't oh, yeah, like it's it. Shit. It's fucking terrible. Like, the combat yeah. is utter dog shit. It's like the AI is nonsense. It's really bad. So to compensate, they make the enemies really spongy and give them laser precision <laughs> with their shots. And I was like, God, I, I'm re- I mean, I didn't like the, the shooting in two or three either. But at least it had that fun, funky melee combat mm. stuff. But uh, it, it's really bad in the first it, one. It reminds me a lot. And of it goes on for the... it, sorry. It, it goes on yeah. for so fucking long. Like there's this <laughs> level near the start where like there's this arena and you go in and a wave, two or three waves of enemies come at you, and then you you beat them. You're like, well, and then they start coming from the other side, 
and then it happens again from the first side and mm-hmm. this fight goes on for about 15 minutes and it's just the same old whack-a-mole shit and it's like wow and fuck those shotgun guys <laughs> yeah it it does feel like going back to play mass effect one where it's like yeah i can see why this is important to the series but it has not aged well compared to either of its two sequels yeah i felt like the combat in the last of us was such an improvement on uncharted that i i'm confident that uncharted 4 will will be pretty good in that regard well I, this is what i said in my review of the uncharted collection like Naughty Dog seems to be one of the few quote-unquote AAA studios willing to have a successful series and yet still keep improving. Like, the difference between Uncharted 1 through 2 onto 3, like, it's... The difference is staggering, and the improvements they've made cannot be praised enough. And when you look at something like... I I think I said all this last week, when you look at something like Assassin's Creed and how it's been... They've really been resistant to change to the point where it looks kind of archaic now compared to, um, you know shadow of mordor and and the arkham games and that um it's just it's really i find it inspiring that naughty dog goes out of its way to make those improvements all the time yeah definitely yeah i think i think always like bethesda are a good example of someone who every game they put out is leaps and bounds more refined than the last one but then they take like five years to make them so yeah well, as as uh, Jim talked about this week on a certain uh, Jimquisition video, sometimes taking time with a game leads to a better quality of product at the yeah. end. Yeah, with you anything, put extra time into you know, creating that video time with game. Anything. Sometimes yeah. that is beneficial deci- to quality. I decided this year to like focus on less songs but better songs, and it's really been paying off. It's it's you know? it, it's good if you if you just don't don't put out. 20, I actually got the, the number wrong on the Jimquisition. Uh, others found, some other people found other games they'd done. Um, oh, so you mm-hmm. underestimated their I stupidity. underestimated how many because games Digital Homicide have put out or tried to put out in a year and a half. It's good that you didn't overestimate that number, because if you'd overestimated it, that would have been liable in certain states, regardless of whether you change that information later to clarify. Of course, yes, because Indeed. Um, I've been threatened with a defamation suit. Uh, by Jim- I, won't, <sighs> yeah. I won't linger on this, because I know some people no. are really sick of hearing about it. But yeah, I Digital am- homicide is shit. Story Digital done. Digital homicides, um, <laughs> apparently taking into account other things, uh, other people have told me they've done the numbers and think that in a year and a half they've brought out or tried to bring out 21 games. Um, so don't do that if you're a game developer. <laughs> you know, Take your time. Dust and Elysian Tale took years and you can see why when you play it. Um, you know, the time and the effort speaks for itself. So mm. that's good. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. Oh, I did have one other thing on Minecraft Story Mode. And Duke Nukem Forever, of course, would be a great example. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, time definitely helped that game. And the Chinese Um, Democracy by Guns N' Roses. Yeah, Yeah. there was one one other thing I wanted to very quickly say on Minecraft Story Mode, and I just remembered. It's a very little thing that I think is really interesting. Um, Counter to every other game I've ever played that has um, selectable character gender... Regardless of the fact that the male version of the playable character is the one that's shown off in all of the marketing stills and trailers, the female character is the one that is the default in the game. When you open up the character selector as a default, you have so the female version. So what game are we talking about now? Um, Minecraft Story Mode. Ah, right. Sorry, yeah, last thing I want to say on that. Um, yeah, the female version of the playable character is the one that is the default, and you have to... Like, it. it's a tiny little thing. It's just... The female version of the character is at the top. You have to go down to get to the male version. 
and it may feel like nothing, but no other video game has done that, and I think that's actually really interesting to note. Um, it still has white as the default, um, and other races are secondary options, but I think it's interesting that they did that, and I have tried to talk to Telltale about it, and hope I get a reply. Not counting on it. <laughs> you know what game had a fucking great character creation screen? Destiny. Which I got so excited about that game on the character creation scene because it was like something out of a, a Bowie video. Man, Destiny. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Oh, you know what's out today that I completely forgot existed? Wasteland 2. <laughs> um, the Jackbox Party Pack 2. What? That came out Jack- today. I got a Jackbox Party Pack. Oh, burn. Yeah, that that collection of video games that you that are party games you play through your phone that I talked about a few weeks ago. All right. The second one came out today. Oh, okay. That's nice. Good. Anyway. <laughs> video games. Yes. What do we want to talk about? Um just a quick update on Pogwatch 2015. I'm looking forward to receiving my pogs. <laughs> Other delivery news, right? Right. The, the the tracking information for my Dragon Quest Heroes updated while we were recording, and it's the the the, the delivery dates changed till tomorrow. That UPS um gave it to a local post office somewhere, and they they they're gonna bring it to me tomorrow. That's fucking horseshit. I pre-ordered it. I don't normally pre-order, but I do, I will pre-order in special instances like this where it was a limited edition. I wanted it today. I ain't fucking getting it today. I want to know if I can just go to the post office and get it at this point. I, I, I there are two local post offices around here, so it won't be hard to find out which one. I just want to go over there and be like, look, it's got my fucking name on it. Can I just have it? Mm, this sounds like Reggie might have had something to do with it, Jim. Why would why would Reggie want to steal it from you? Well, we all know that's what he does. He goes around taking people's shit just to annoy them. Yeah. Well, he, like, he usually steals my stuff. What's Jim done to upset him? Maybe maybe the fact that we've all shared the, the crow virus. Maybe that's <sighs> also brought the attention of Reggie onto us. Maybe we're all having shared, like a shared illness that involves oh, crows Are we becoming a hive mind? <laughs> we, we may have hive minded it up. We may become the tyrannid menace. <laughs> Oh, there is news that I want to talk about. There is an update from one of last week's news stories. Okay. So, you know, last week we were talking about the Call of Duty fake terrorist attack. Oh, yeah. Oh, they said um, sorry for that, didn't they? Uh, well, kind of. We got an apology from the head of Treyarch, and not from the official PR channel, just like the head of was Treyarch. Was it from Vanderhaar, or was it from someone uh, else? I think it was Vandermeer, yeah. Um, and his... Vandermeer, Van Vandermeer. Vanderhaar. I don't know how you pronounce his bloody name. But you will pay tribute everyone, to Vandermeer. Everyone who plays their games knows his name so well because it gets screamed in the lobby so much. Vanderhaar! <laughs> um, but the thing I think is really interesting about this is not that he apologised, but that his apology feels like such a non-apology. Now, I'm going to read one quote that kind of sums up why I don't believe a word of his apology. It was absolutely not done for any kind of attention in any way. I don't think he understands what PR is. Yeah, like, like, of course it was. PR's job is to do things that get attention, that get people seeing your brand. Like, of course you did it for attention. You maybe didn't do it for that much attention, but you did it for attention. Don't bloody tell us that you're like, oh, we just did it on a whim. I feel for Vanderhaar because he, um, 
Like he's at this stage with internet drama, he probably just rolls his eyes because this is the same guy who got death threats over tweaking a sniper rifle reload time. Do you know what I mean? Like he got death threats to his family over that. It's not great that that happened to him. It is bad that that happened to him. But But he probably just does not give a single fuck at this stage about internet drama. He he should probably still realize it was a shitty move and that he'd like the way to apologize for, for that is, hey, we fucked up. Sorry. Don't be like, oh, we didn't do that for for uh, attention in any way. It's like, our, no, of course you did. It's a fucking our publicity public- stunt. Yeah, like our publicity stunt got publicity. That that's not right. Yeah, we did that's- not intend for our publicity stunt to get any kind of publicity in mistake. any way. Yeah, we just accidentally <laughs> got publicity through our publicity team. Oh, silly old. Trailer. So. Yeah, that I do happened. like the. Uh, I, I'm interested in their idea of what they're doing with their campaign, though. That whole episodic thing where it's like oh. you can play the last level yeah, without I heard, having to unlock it. I heard that. What is that about? What's going on with that? Basically, the campaign. Just, uh, the the, the campaigns be... in COD have always been structured that way. You just had to unlock each episode. Well, basically, it's it's that without unlock. I mean, you know, when you beat yeah. a game, you can then go back and play any chapter. Yeah, it Here, you can do it like without. That beating oh. the game you can so from I think the second I, you have the game cool. you can just skip to the last level i think yes. it's cool they're doing that but i think it's like a really dumb idea if you actually use that because i mean i kind of what, get maybe like if you get stuck on a level and you don't want to play yeah. and you just want to keep on i see that yeah. i think them comparing it to house of cards is a bit off because it's like no one watches the last episode of house of cards thinks that's awesome i've got to see what led to that and then well, go back and watch it from the beginning I, I will suggest there is one thing that got me to do that and it was the season finale of the first season of steven universe which i was not sold on that show until someone said skip ahead watch the season finale that will get you oh, into watching the I show and i then. i did that i you know so, what? even breaking bad was a little bit like that because that that show takes like three or four episodes to start yeah. getting really so good like, i can see the point of let's say there is a particular standout mission and someone's bought this just for the multiplayer and their friends are like no 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 you should try out the single player it's really cool and they're like oh i'm not so sure I guess I can see the situation where it's like, go play this specific mission. It's really cool and it will make you want to play the rest of that single player. I can see that. Maybe they just want more people to play the campaign. Yeah. Because people really ignore it a lot, which is a pity because Treyarch do really fucking good campaigns. Yeah, they do a surprise. Like, a really good amount of effort goes into, especially the Black Ops games. Like, say, Mm. I know some people don't, I I don't think they liked Black Ops too much, but I really Mm. thought that the campaigns for both campaign Black Ops 1 great. and 2 were yeah. uh, were really, really good. Um, and yeah. I like this idea. I once had a discussion with someone a long time ago, um, an old person I used to know who I, I hadn't spoken to in years. Um, not for any reason, we just fell out of contact. But he was like, um, you buy a game for 60 bucks and <clears throat> it's one of the few mediums you buy where you, if you're not good at it or if you can't get past a bit, the content you paid for cannot be accessed at, like beyond that. And it's mm. it's a weird situation, this idea that you buy something and immediately are barred from accessing it. Mm. Uh, and mm. so the idea that it's opened up and you can access everything, um, while I, I understand that that can undermine the point of the game for a lot of people who do want to progress, I mean, I wouldn't take advantage of this. Um, yeah. But I see why it's there, and I wouldn't be against seeing it in other well, games. I think it's Dara O'Brien who said it really well, where he, he did a um, comedy set about this, and he described it as, video games are the only medium that like test you periodically and say, no, you are not good enough to be allowed to experience the rest of this piece of work. 
Like, you are not allowed to experience it because you failed us, and I guess this is a way around that, kind of. Going back to Treyarch's campaigns, though, they really do have their own identity among the series. Like, the others tend to blend together. There's the kind of very jingoistic nature of a couple of them, which I think people unfairly go after a lot because a lot of the Call of Duty campaigns are America is actually the bad guy, but we won't go into that. <laughs> They're a bit more subversive than people yeah. can credit for. Tre- and Treyarch's games especially are very much like that, and they're so much darker than the other games. Like, they're really... They get violent to the point of actually quite disturbing at times, but it's done It's done well. It's done oh, to yeah, advance the story. There's you know? a mission in Black Ops 2 where you, you play as the villain uh, in, a, yeah. in a, oh. a, a flashback. One of my favourite oh, missions yeah. ever. Like, it was just... It was really snappily yeah. done stuff. There were two scenes in that game that really made me cringe so hard with the violence, and not in the way that like you you kind of think, oh, this is gratuitous. It was really just effectively done. Yeah. And I thought that that's pretty rare in in video Actually, games. Actually, I I want to go back and play them now. There, like yeah. time for the really the really third good. One. Um, is now a good time for us to get on and do a couple of questions before yeah, we finish get, up? Probably get, on the wanna... hour on the hour mark. I want to go call the post office as well and be like, hey, you've got a package for me. Can I just have it, please? Can I just come get it? Um, Basically, we want to go do, like, anything else but this. (laughs) Plus, of course, I've got to keep a 24-hour watch for Pogwatch 2015, so... See, I I just want to get back to doing the mountain of reviews that are staring me in the face and I have to get done by tomorrow morning. Yeah, you've got a hell of a week. Yeah, this week has been... Undertale Review Monday, because that's been too long and I didn't get around to that, and then today was Minecraft Story Mode, and then tomorrow's some Dragon Ball Z game on the 3DS, and then the day after that is Tales of Zisteria, and a whole bunch of other stuff to do. Do you know what I love about this last bit of conversation? Is we talked about how much we got a crack on, and And then then wasted time explaining why. Well, that's what this show is. This show is us being like, we should be snappy and fast, but first... Yeah. A bit of something different. Lies, hypocrisy, and self-undermining. That's us all over. <laughs> yeah. So, first question up yes. this week is from Dominic R. Bose, who wants to ask, would the three of us consider doing a co-op game together sometime as a Let's Play or as some kind of video feature? And I don't know what you guys think, and this is the moment of I'm saying a thing on the air that I have not run by either of you, there is one that I'd kind of like to try and do as a co-op thing at some point, because I think it would be interesting. Mm-hmm. And this is the game Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. Oh yeah, which you, has you just come out. On, this. Yeah, because this has just come out on Steam, and it's designed to be played with a VR headset so that other people in the room can't see the bomb you're diffusing, and other people have their sort of manuals and they're flipping through. That could uh, you can play it just like on a screen without a VR headset on. And just as long as other people can't see your screen, you can, you know, play through it. So over Skype and that, it's perfect. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, is maybe that's a game that we could do where one of us records ourselves with the feed of the bomb, and the other two people over Skype are flipping through their bomb defusal manuals trying to defuse the, yeah. help defuse the bomb. I know our schedules are, like, like chock-a-block mm. and everything, but I'd... I'm not against it. I'm definitely not yeah, against the idea. That's, that's a thing we should maybe talk about off the air at some point, yeah. maybe, see? But I like the idea of us doing some kind of video playing a game together. It'd I don't fun. know. Do either of you have an idea of a game that you'd like to do co-op-y sometime? Destiny. 
<laughs> I, I will play Destiny with you, Gav. I can. I have recording stuff. We can play some Destiny sometime. Yeah. I've been getting. I've been like, like very slowly and and nervously getting into Heroes of the Storm. Um, like we I should, don't you do know, the MOBA thing. But a we should play Dota two and just like be terrible at it and have like <laughs> oh my God. some I randomer would... on the team screaming at us. <laughs> I would I would be happy to do a uh, a Dota two team of us being terrible and failing. See that and make one, that a video. That one I'm scared of. But what, the... Gray, Gray made <laughs> an entire video out of how bad I am at Dota two. I remember, um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I've been playing Heroes of the Storm, and it, it's quite that's quite a good laugh. My friend Melinda uh, sort of popped my cherry on that one and guided me through it, uh, and I got to play as Asmodan, obviously because I look like him, and yeah, I, I, I could see that maybe being a fun thing because some people have requested a video of it, but I would say a video with us in it might be interesting. But th- but again, th- there's many ideas we could do. I'd that. potentially be up for that, depending on how long of a time investment I need to put in to be okay enough at it to do the video. Like, how much do I need to yeah. play it before yeah. well, getting to that? Wouldn't the video be better if we're fucking terrible at it, though? <laughs> uh, it would maybe be more amusing, but it would Although, also irritate some people. <laughs> yeah, people people are really offended by other people not being good at video games. I'm always surprised by <laughs> oh, how. Yeah. I Angry, it makes people that like even I, you know the the song I have Shooter Guy, which is like a piss take of FPS games. Yes. There's a, a video clip near the start of that where the um the lyrics are basically talking about if if I'm this soldier, why am I learning basic aiming on, down on the firing range? You know because I'm obviously a skilled trained soldier out in a war. And it's just taking the piss out of tutorials. And in the video, the gun is shooting all over the place and missing the targets. And people get so angry. This player is fucking terrible. He shouldn't be playing the game. It's like, wow. <laughs> a, you missed the point. B, why are you so angry that someone's bad at a game? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I get that quite a bit. Cause, mm. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll happily oh, I admit... saw I saw your Battlefront video, Jim. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like I'll happily admit, I'm not the most skilled. It was an authentic a... stormtrooper experience. I tell yes. you that. <laughs> I mean, I, I did. It wasn't a great performance. I need to when I play a, a, a first-person shooter, like an online thing. I've got to play it for a good few fucking hours before I get mm. in the mojo and get. Not, mm. I will never be good at them, but I, I can at least get to the point where I'm like in the middle of the rankings at the end yeah, of the match. Yeah. Where you're I'm, not I'm, being shouted at for being the worst on the yeah, team. I'm like a classic C-minus student when it comes to first-person shooters. But because <laughs> it was the, the beta and everything, I wanted to get a video up quick. I threw myself into it uh, and clearly did not get acclimated, which I've got to get done. And in, I know it sounds like I'm making excuses, but I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm good at the game. Or oh, I will, will ever be good at the game, but I could, I know I can. But be that better you might than get that. better than in that video if yeah. you gave it more time. Um, but you know, I just wanted to upload a video and just show it off, and, and I thought it was a fun video anyway. But yeah, some people get annoyed uh, if if you're not good, especially um, you know there are some other ones I played. I have to. I have to I'm say one thing that great. is very frustrating though is when you have like. Um, like these big shows like E3 and they're showing off the game, advertising it, and the players are really bad. I find that does kind of annoy me as well. <laughs> when it's it's <laughs> annoying when it's like their purpose is to show off the game at its and top And they're terrible level, at it. Yeah, it's like, like 
you don't I've... have to be good at playing <laughs> games to review them and like the number of times where it's like oh how do you get a job reviewing games if you're so shit at playing them I'm better at games than yeah. you. It's like, well, are you a better person with words? Because if not, go shut up yeah. and grunt have you got at any, a rock. Have you got any critical faculties? Or are you one of these <laughs> one of these fucking weapons? That a thing gives... moved and I shot it. Yeah. You're one of these weapons that gives everything either a 10 or a 0 on the Metacritic user review page, right? Well, every game is either perfect or the worst <laughs> thing ever and unplayable. That's just how video games work. Yeah, that's yes. like saying a music critic should be brilliant at singing along with the songs, and believe me, they're not <laughs> yep. a lot of the time. Um, so, in short, yes, we would consider a co-op thing together. We need to talk about that and find a yes. time when we're all free and a game, because I'd like to do that. That'd be fun. So, be a good laugh. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, Chris Simpson wants to ask, do we all miss having colleagues to share our work w- workload with? Or do we prefer being self-reliant? That's a very good question. <sighs> mm. Yeah, very good. Honest well, answer is a bit of both, obviously. It's, it's, yeah, it's weighing definitely. it up. Like, I, in the last year that I've been working from home, I've certainly gone a little bit stir-crazy at times. There have been times where the isolation is a little <laughs> bit, oh, yeah, this is what I do. I work in a room by myself with no one to discuss my work with, ever. Ugh. But equally, it's really nice to be able to work and to not have anyone peering, like breathing down my neck, being mm. like, oh, you're going to get it done by the deadline today. You're going to get it done. Like, I have no one to answer to. So mm. it's pros and cons. I had a situation this week where it was like 99% of the time I love not having to deal with anyone else. But this week, mm. uh, I don't know if you guys saw, I, I did my Assassin's Creed song, but yes. I re- I named one of the mixes with the wrong name and uploaded that as my final version on like Bandcamp. Thankfully not iTunes but I uploaded it to YouTube with the wrong fucking mix of the song and it sounded terrible and I had to take it down and re-render and re-export and do everything Mm. while people were shouting at me where's the video gone? I was like oh my god what I wouldn't give for like a secretary or helper or something right now. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there a few times because people get, again they get angry because they feel they've just been robbed of something. Yeah, um, and it's 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 yeah. I've had to diffuse that a few times myself. The, the, um, there are certainly making, times like my ma- my last twenty four hours or so where I was trying to get one video uplo- uh, uploaded properly and everything was yeah. going wrong. Where I was like, I wish it's, I could hand the technical aspects of this off to someone exactly. else. Let them get it online, and the so I can continue aspects. creating oh. stuff. Yeah, like, can you handle the getting this on the internet for people to look at? I will yeah. continue creating the stuff, but. You can't do that. You got to do everything when you. I'd work love to for yourself. as well have someone to filter through which emails I read, because uh, I love I love responding to emails from people who are, who are like, "Hey, I really enjoyed the songs. It affected my life." Blah blah blah. I really don't read or reply to emails that are like, "Do a song about X," or <laughs> "Can you do this for free?" Or it, it would be great to have someone. Or to your vent, songs too loud. To or your songs too quiet. Yeah, (laughs) on the same. Um, Jim Jim was saying today about how he gets like criticism of people telling him to do one thing and then telling him to do the exact opposite. And I showed him a picture. I had a screenshot of two comments from the same video. One was saying, "This song is too fucking loud." Have you ever heard of Headrum? And right underneath it, there was a comment saying, "Please make your songs louder." (laughs) So Um, it's tough. But for me, yeah. um, you know, having been doing this for almost a year now, with like I've always worked for a site, always you know, Destructoid, mm. the Escapist, or freelance for other people, and now I'm running my own show and, and doing everything solo. And I, I gotta say that 
may like because I get asked a lot like will you ever hire this person will you ever have an editors and all this stuff and maybe one day but having worked with other companies and other colleagues uh, especially in a public arena the stress that I no longer have of worrying about you know <gasps> will yeah. X colleague do something controversial um, yes. and get blowback on me will I do something controversial and get blowback and on affect my other people yeah you know yeah. not having that. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, like my dream, like if if I had like enough money to where it's like I can turn this into a, a, an empire here and get staff, my dream would be like hire Laura, hire Conrad Zimmerman, like get writing teams together. Um, but even if I felt like financially ready for that, mentally I'm not ready for that. Like right mm. now, I am the relief that I st I'm still coasting on the mm. relief I felt uh, a few like like almost a year ago of just knowing that everything that happens right now is my responsibility, which so, should seem daunting, yeah. but is actually freeing because it's like, it's liberating. Up, yeah. It's, so it's what, on me, but it does suck mm. as the, the, the big downside as, as we were to sum it up is basically when you make a mistake or fuck up, you've no one to cover it. Yeah. Now see yeah. what, what Jim was saying obviously is, Give him more money and then demand to know when he's going to hire me and Conrad to work yeah. full time. That is obviously what he's saying. Um, but yeah, it is. It is its own relief. Like I, this last week, had a fairly public moment with an old site that I used to used to run, and that really did give no, me I'm, a very similar moment. I'm not. To sh I'm not to share an opinion on that, am I? Uh, well, yeah, it's fine. It, it right. probably shouldn't have been as public as it was, but the the whole thing was just. I came away from that really feeling a sense of public relief of like, I am kind of glad that like I'm doing my own thing now because it's nice not to have to worry about what's going on there. Which fight am I going to have to? Oh, I know, you know that feeling. Yeah, what, what fight am I going to have to jump in the middle of and be like, right? I think me and you Jimbo sit over know in that, that corner. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. sit over in that corner. You sit in that corner. Neither of you talk until you're ready to say sorry to each other. Like. I'm kind of glad to be rid of that. That is nice yeah. to sort of put that aside. There is, like, there's yeah, always guilt by association on the internet. And I think it's very, it's nice to not have to be, like oh, even yeah. even with you, times. Lance, when you when you go on about your social justice stuff, I'll get people giving out to me. I'm like, <laughs> leave me the fuck out of it, man. <laughs> yeah, we are all our own people. And that's kind of, that's kind of pleasant. Um, yeah. But again, the whole problem you know, is just when something goes wrong, there is no one to fix it but you, or there's yeah. no one to blame but you. It's like, nope, I'm, that's all I'm on gonna me. I'm going to start a Patreon and um, solely to fund, so I can pay someone whose full-time job is to take my phone away from me when I drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd love to pay. I would love to pay like a guy to just sit here while I'm playing games on Steam and hit F12 whenever I say screenshot for the review. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that I don't have to try and, like, I, I'll be here, like, like yeah. aiming down the iron sights of a gun and be like, mm. I've got to get it shooting. So shoot F12. Or someone, someone to record the cutscenes. Ah, oh, that's like the bane of my gaming experiences. Oh. Quick, record the cutscene. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I am happy I'm in a position where, you know, I don't hire full-time staff, but I can at least... Yeah. If I need something done, I can farm it out. Like, you know, I'm working with mm. uh, Justin, who I mentioned, who's doing, um, you know, video and, and site editing stuff for yeah. me. And I can commission people to do things. Um, but as far as full-time... Is that, is that stuff, Justin... Like, just, that's not right um, Justin who we used to work with, is it? 
Just no, 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 see. no. This is uh, this guy lives actually like um, very, like very really, close to Jim. Really local, yeah. Mm. But yeah, there we go. I think we we did a good job with that one. Now uh, we got a couple mm. more questions. What have we got? Um, Ewan Forrest wants to ask, what's our favourite ending to a thing? Be it a game, a TV show, a film, a book, an album. What's our favourite ending to something? Mass Effect 2. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Not three, Um. Gavin. (laughs) (laughs) Not the best ending to any game ever, Gavin. (laughs) Three. Um. You know what else had a great ending? Fury Road. I thought the ending of that was very Fury cool. Road yeah, had a really nice. nice ending. It was a nice ending. Um, not of a whole thing, but of like an episode of something. I think the ending of the episode of Scrubs, where Dr. Cox is trying to sort organ transplants for three people, and it ends with that song that is now like completely overused for anything ever about medical dramas where they, they make their use of how to save a life. Oh, but God. I still think the ending, <laughs> that is the one time where I'm like, I think this is entirely justified and it completely makes the scene. Um, the ending of that episode is probably the greatest, like, serious ending to an episode of a comedy that I've ever seen. It was very spot on. Um, Trying to think of other things that end really well now. Uh, for what me, a- it's the, my favourite movie of all time is With Nail and Die. Uh, it starts oh, stars Christopher E. Grant and, and Christopher E. Grant? Is that, did I say that right or wrong? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, enough, him and, and Paul McGann, um, who a fan very kindly got me a, a signed photo of Paul McGann once. Uh, ah. Thank you very much. Um, but it starts them as two out-of-work actors who basically survive on drink and drugs in this squalid flat in London. Um, it's like it. It spoke to me as someone who was an ex-acting um, student and a failed uh, entertainer at one point who lived in squalor himself. Um, mm. Like, it spoke, speaks to me on, on many levels. Um, but the the last scene of it, uh, I won't spoil too much because I really would love everyone to go watch with Nell and I. Um, but it does end with one character sort of left on his own and he delivers a speech from Shakespeare, uh, misquotes it, um, but delivers the full speech on his own in the middle of a park in the rain, if I'm remembering correctly. It's been many years since I last watched it. Um, and he, yeah, yeah, he's got an umbrella and he delivers this speech like with, with all this passion and fire and fury. And at the end, like the last lines just peter out into the, the most pathetic and lonely um, sounding voice. And then just just at the last moment, just the 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 umbrella he's holding aloft just drops limply to his shoulder, and he 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 leaves. And it's just like I'm getting chills mm-hmm. just talking about it, mm-hmm. which yeah. is funny for a film that is so vulgar and crass. Uh, but <laughs> and the it's ending no, it's is just n- yeah, it's the, known the for different so, reasons than that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and the, the ending yeah. is just to me like so powerful. Um, and I, yeah, I, I recommend with nail and I Ryan, love, uh, do watch I it. love that they got your man from that movie in in for Wayne's World too, to play <laughs> Del Preston the roadie. Oh and yes, he was, yes. but he's exactly the same character same <laughs> as guy. he was in with nail and I. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I do have two other endings very quickly. The ending of Dead Poet Society, I think, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not really much else to say. It's that that is a very good film. If you've not seen it, go see that. That is. That is Robin Williams doing some serious acting, and he does some good stuff with that. Um, 
And then the other one is the ending of The Last Airbender by M. Night Shyamalan, because the ending of that film is the film is over and I don't have to watch it anymore. <laughs> and that is one of my favourite endings ever. Also, so. uh, just briefly, the <laughs> just briefly, because I can't detail it at all because of spoilers, but the very last, like the epilogue chapter of um, the last game, uh, Song of Ice and Fire book, almost mm. a Game of Thrones like a charlatan, <laughs> and the the last one published, um, I think it was called Dance with Dragons. I always forget the individual names of the books, but I, I the remember epilogue, the names, but not the order. <laughs> the epilogue chapter is um, featured one of my favourite characters, and it's such a jaw dropping moment um, that they kind of have kind of spoiled the impact a lot of it with the TV show. Part of the, one of the reasons I, I wasn't too into the, the way the last series went, but mm. the, it's such an amazing uh, ending. It's just a, a real oh shit yeah. moment. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's that. I, I, thought, I, I have... thought Breaking Bad ended really well as well. I really oh, liked the yeah, ending of that. Yes. It, it did I was really, really scared ending. they were going to fuck that show up at the last episode, but I think they did a great job. They, they, they stuck that landing. Um, I think the last paragraph of the book, The Knife of Never Letting Go, is probably, like, it's the first book in a trilogy, and it is the most, like, your stomach just drops a foot, and it's like, wait, I have to wait for the next book? <laughs> like, that that ending is just, oh, that's, it's so well paced and put together, the ending of that book. The best ending ever is in Wasteland 2, when you press the... the- wrong button in the base and it blows up and you get my song halfway through the game (laughs) (laughs) Uh, have i been clear enough about wasteland 2 have i (laughs) yeah we get the idea you like wasteland 2 and it's nothing to do with the fact that you're in it (laughs) yeah my collusion skills are amazing (laughs) you are very good at collusion um so last question we've got this week um piet john lake wants to ask you are the Doctor from Doctor Who. Who would your companion be? And who would your nemesis be? So who are you flying around space with and who are you trying to kill in space? Well, Billy Piper um, obviously would be the, the I, first I, choice I, I for flying around th- space. I don't think but... they were suggesting you have to go for a previous companion, but if you want to go for one, go right ahead. Oh. Hmm, who would I pick then? I'm going to let you guys take this one. <laughs> um... Let's go with my my nemesis's. I haven't done a butt shtick kind of joke in a while, so my enemy is Ubisoft and my companion is a giant floating butt. Ha ha, I did the thing that I meant to do on this show. There we go, I did the thing. Um, for me, I think my enemy, obviously, because this is across time and space, my enemy would be Adolf Hitler, because you know what? I reckon he was a bad guy. He was... That's- he yeah. was a real shit, and I don't want—I I don't want to come across as extreme or too social justicey here, right? But I think Adolf Hitler was a fucking wrongen, and if That's... I was Doctor Who, I'd fuck his shit right up. You know oh, what? <laughs> it's like that old question: Would you go back in time and dox Adolf Hitler if he was a baby? I would. <laughs> I'd go back and I'd dox him hard. Um, so that's what I'd do as the doctor. What? I'd go back in time and dox Adolf Hitler. And why, com- why, why limit yourself to Adolf Hitler? This is all of time and space. You could go after Hitler who has dead babies for hands. You well, could go after, thing. like, here's the I thing. don't know. You've actually stumbled on what I was going to say next. Because oh. it is time and space. My companion, good Hitler. Oh, oh, Hitler I see Hitler from a timeline where he's good. And then, because oh. he, he knows how he thinks. 
<laughs> Is that how it works? If you have a completely different mentality and you're a good person, but you're still technically the same person, you'll understand the negative Yeah, actions. I'd be like, like good um, Hitler, because that'd be his name. I'd be like, good yeah. Hitler, right? If you were like, if you were like a real shithead, what would you do next? And he'd go, ah, I know what I would do. I can't do the accent. I know what I would do next. I would uh, eat a sandwich in this shop. And then I'd go, right, we know where he is. He's eating a sandwich in that shop. Let's go. And then I'd, I'd hit him with my sonic screwdriver. That's a Doctor Who reference, isn't it? Yeah, you would, know, you would get really in your it. TARDIS and you would exterminate him. I would exterminate him with my Dalek buddies because they would also be my companions. I'd, I'd well, go no, no, you'd, you'd get good the good Daleks. Daleks. The good That's Daleks, I mean. yeah. Good Daleks. And I'd be like, you know, uh, if you were a bad Dalek, what would you be doing right now? And they'd go, ow! I, I can't do the voice. Ow! I would get a sandwich from that shop over there! And I'd be like, right, the Daleks and bad Hitler are in a sandwich shop. Let's go get them! And then I'd why, hit them with my why, sonic screwdriver. Why has Stephen Moffat never thought of writing this into Doctor Who? Doctor Who goes to get the good versions of the villains and yeah. they get rid of the bad ones and then there's no more villains. <laughs> and then Why they get just, Yeah, just, just let him sell a painting. You know, go back in time and buy one of Hitler's paintings. And, and <laughs> so his art much career. misery could have been avoided. <laughs> um, so there I, we go. I just decided what I would have, actually. I would have uh, Kate Bush and we would go back in time into the 90s singing like nerdy songs together and like capture the guy who built autotune and force him to start a music academy instead <laughs> um so slightly more serious answer on a similar note gerard way i'll have him as my uh, i'll have him as my bard he will basically come around and produce songs to enthuse me as the doctor to you know do better at my doctoring and... i was listening to him this week laura oh what were you listening to of, of his Give me a shot to remember. That one. Yeah, that is that is a good one. That is That's the one about really the lives song. being really sharp. Yeah, it's such a fucking The sharpest great song. of lives. Yeah. So, yeah. And who would my villain be? My villain is going to be um, haters. Haters are my villain. <laughs> haters. Yeah, I will take down the haters. Just all of them. Everyone who hates someone. So there you go. Like, I'm taking Laura them has... down. Laura's just threatened David Hayter and his family. Hate somebody. On that bombshell, we wrap up. <laughs> we wrap up Pogwatch 2015. Um, my status is excited for Pogs. Um, um, Laura, tell people about your stuff. You want to find me and watch my Pogwatch 2015 search for a Gerard Way Pog? I don't believe they exist, but I will continue searching till I find one. You can follow me at Laura K Buzz on pretty much everything. So Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Patreon, which is what pays the bills, uh, YouTube, where I have a Let's Play of the first episode of uh, Minecraft Story Mode. Other than that, Destructoid Monday to Friday. Just follow me on Twitter. You'll find most of my stuff there, probably. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got to speak next. Yeah, um, you got to yeah, do more words. <laughs> I'm trying to look up my local post office so I can phone them and be like, "Where's my fucking Dragon Quest?" Um, <laughs> Gavin, your music is good. Let's hear it's about right. it, please. Uh, search for it on YouTube, Miracle of Sound. Uh, the new one is London, Britain-based. Sadly for you guys, did not go with the Cockney accent version. I know, Gavin. 
Gavast... I voted in favour of that. Yeah, Gav yeah. asked us, hey, which of these two versions do you like? I was like, both me and Jim were like, yeah, we want the version with the Cockney accents. I also and then asked like 20 over- other people and you Twitter. You overrode so. us. You overrode us, Gavin. And it will not be lightly forgiven. I don't know. From yeah. what I gather from you two, there's no such thing as overriding you. No, you did oh, it. You, you, you overrode that's us. That's the Irish slang coming in there. Oh, 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 we forgot that you're having sex with us in that joke. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We might as well go now. Um, <laughs> Miracle Sound, he's on YouTube. It's thank a, you. It's a thing. Bye. Um, thank you. Oh, she's already said bye. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm what, still here. She's hung what, up. What she said. <laughs> Fuck it. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. What a weird ending. I love it.